This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now, here's Jupe and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 172. Well, Viggs, um, not a great weekend for the Gophers, uh, not a great last two weekends for the Gophers, a total of two points in the league uh, the last two weekends when they pretty much were handed it, handed you know a, a title to them. They had every opportunity to take uh, uh, to, to get the regular season title, and they just couldn't get it done. I wouldn't go quite so far as to say they were handed well, an opportunity at the title. They well, had played pretty darn well since Christmas. Yeah, they did. But I'm saying, you know, Friday night, you know, you've got Ohio State losing to Wisconsin. Minnesota has every opportunity. Um, you know, they don't. all of a sudden, you know, worrying about tying Ohio State was gone. All they had to do was just get points and get ahead of a, of Penn State, and it just fell apart. Let's just say the stars were aligning. For, <laughs> they, yeah, for, okay, that's for better. a title. Yes. yes, everything was falling into place for them. They just had to take care of their own business. They had done all the work to put themselves in that position. And the Penn State series, you know, I thought it was a better weekend than they've played against Penn State. Maybe the last, you know, <laughs> couple of years. A couple of years, you know, Don's last two years and then Moscow last year. I thought they played better out there. I plot, I thought on Friday against Michigan, they came out maybe a little tentative, but they cleaned it up after about the first five or 10 minutes and played a really good hockey game on Friday. I thought they gave themselves a lot of puck possession. You know, they were, they were down early, but they, they had a lot of puck possession and they put up a lot of shots and I think the one thing that hurt them a little bit on Friday was they just almost had a refusal to stick to the script that Bob Motzko wants to run, where they get lots of zone time, they string shifts together, and they tire out the other team. I felt like they had a lot of one-and-done type opportunities and a lot of shots on Strauss Mann that were pretty easy for him to freeze and, and end the opportunity. And I think that, that bit him in the rear in the end. And why they were chasing the game? Well, man was pretty darn good. He did stop over fifty pucks. <laughs> well, he was solid. I I heard from someone uh, this month that one of the ways you got to score goals is you got to get the puck across the center line of the ice and make the goalie move and get shots off quickly. And I don't think Minnesota did that at all. And I know that's something that their coaches are stressing to them is to get goaltenders moving laterally and put pucks on net quickly. When you do that, very rarely are goalies able to handle the puck cleanly. But when you're going up against a tender like Strauss Mann and he sees the puck coming, there's not going to be very many juicy rebounds, and it's going to be hard to beat him. And another thing is that, you know, I noticed it Friday night and Saturday. Boy, did they just – are they aiming for Mann's gut? Because there were – I mean, yes, maybe Mann is in good position and 
the pucks just happened to hit him in the gut, but there was quite a few Vigs that were right in the belly. Well, I think they're they're hitting him square because he's square to the shooter, he's square to the puck, and he's a solid goalie who doesn't give up bad rebounds. And you have players who are maybe just trying to put the puck on net, but there's putting the puck on net and there's putting pucks on net with a purpose. And I just think that's maybe that next level thinking as a player. I think we saw it on the McManus goal a little bit where he is cleaning up some trash and, and putting in an easier shot than some of the other players, you know, who aren't, or I guess it wasn't McManus who had that one, but it was, it was a shot where it went off man and there was a rebound there for someone to put it back. Mm-hmm. And you need more of that. You need guys to, to make plays like that, to give yourself a chance against a good goalie. So, you know, obviously, you know, us less guys who don't notice things as much, we see him hitting them in the gut. But for me, you know, if you're doing that, he's obviously good positionally. And like you said, maybe smarter type of plays, smarter shots, shoot it low, make him have to play the puck or deflect the puck off the side. It's a lot harder for him to stop the puck when it's very low up to the ice and uh, compared to when it's up off the ice, it's two, three feet off the ice. You know, his body's there, his glove is there. Down low, it seems like he might have a good chance. He might stop it with a stick, but he, he might not smother it wide away, and it could be a rebound there. Yeah, you see a lot of shooters in the NHL. You know, they're they're aiming for that spot about 14, 15 inches off the ice towards the pipes. And when you can put the pucks there, it's really hard for a goalie to freeze the puck. He's either going to kick out a leg at it and it could be loose or it's going to go in the corner or it could, you know, scramble a little bit and you get second chance opportunities. And I look at some of the guys on the Gopher roster, like Nathan Burke, Brandon McManus, you know, they get goals from those kinds of plays where there's loose pucks around the net. They, they make their, their money around the net on plays like that. And there just hasn't really been a, a dedication to that kind of game. And I think Bob Motzko talked this week, you can't have guys swinging for the fences every opportunity they have the puck on their stick. And I think they have a couple players like Sammy Walker, they get in that mindset that the only way they're going to score goals is by getting a rush, beating a bunch of players, and then putting one by the goalie on a deke or a great play. The majority of goals in college hockey aren't scored that way. You know, The majority yeah. of the goals in college hockey are off of chaos. And so if you're not going to get rush scoring opportunities like Minnesota didn't get against Michigan and probably won't get this weekend against Notre Dame, you need to find other ways to create offense. Now, speaking specifically of Friday night, you know, they, they are down one, nothing and going into the third period, Michigan goes up to nothing. Um, the encouraging thing for me is I would say past teams the last five years, uh, the game was over. They're not coming back. But they get one, they get the other goal, and you know, on a five, uh, a long five minute major. Um, but they, they didn't give up. They got back into the game. Yes, they lose the extra point in, in, in the shootout. But for me, you know, of all the little things that haven't happened over these past few years, to me, that's encouraging. Well, I think that's a sign that the team it is believing. You know, they're bought in, and I think that's something that's been a common theme the last. A uh, year and a half is this team doesn't give up when they're behind and they're able to generate offense. And, you know, we've been pretty hard on the power play, but they got a goal at the, at the right time on mm-hmm. Friday. And that point was a big point for them. It kept a lot of things in play heading into Saturday. It, it did, you know, if they would have gotten that extra one, maybe, <laughs> maybe a little better. 
Um, but that's just how it goes. But, you know, I, I just keep thinking, you know what? Teams have passed. They've lost three points right away. It, they would fold after going down 2 nothing, uh in the third. So, I, for me, that was encouraging, even though the end result was only one point. So. Yeah, I, and that's what you have to look at as a as a team and as a fan. You know, if you're watching the Gophers, they're in it. I think all these games, the second half, they haven't really had a stinker. Like, they had a bunch of them in the first half of the year. I mean, that North Dakota game, um, one of those Penn State games, uh, the game against Minnesota Duluth, you know, just really poor games. You know, bad puck management, lots of turnovers, lots of guys – being individuals out there. We haven't seen many like that in the second half. And I think part of it's they've gotten better goaltending. I was kind of digging around for some stats on the goaltending and, and how good it's been. And if you look at LaFontaine, he's got a 927 save percentage and a 2.37 goals against average since Christmas. Jared Moe hasn't played as much, but he's got a 945 save percentage and a 1.54 goals against average. Mm-hmm. Those are encouraging numbers. And a lot of it, I think, is the teams playing better in front of them. But it gives you a chance to win games. Is it going to be uh, LaFontaine from here on out, do you think? I kind of <laughs> think that's the way he's positioned yeah. this team. It'd be a shock if he wasn't in net. I know that there's a little bit of a flu bug or something that's a 24-hour type deal going on the team. Uh, it's not COVID-19, but it's a 24-hour bug that's hit a couple guys. I know Gordon and uh, Raboyne got it earlier in the week, and they're just trying to do what they can to keep guys from catching it. But that's the only way I think LaFontaine's not in that is if he catches it. So one thing you mentioned or kind of went to a bit earlier was, you know, someone trying to do too much. Walker comes to mind, you know, we've heard this earlier this week that, you know, Moscow kind of sat down with him and said, you know, you know, you need to chill a little bit <laughs> and not, not take it all on your back. But, you know, another thing I've noticed too is I've seen Sampo Ranta kind of going back into his type of walled environment as well, um, where he's holding onto the puck a little too long. Um, are, are you concerned about that? The one thing about Sampo that is different than Walker is Sampo is strong enough on his skates where he doesn't usually turn it over. I think the problem with Sammy is he comes through the neutral zone. He sees four guys at the blue line. He's like, all right, I'm going to take that on. <laughs> Sampo's a little bit different. He gets his high gear going, and he gets around one guy, and then he's not quite sure what to do with the puck next. I think that's kind of his next step as a hockey player is figuring out, okay, no one's going to take the puck from me. Now what? (laughs) And is it finding his line mates? Is it putting the pucks in a dangerous situation around the net? I think that's what he's got to learn because I think we've seen in his game, he's having a hard time finding ways to get shots off that are effective in those situations. You know, he's really strong in the puck. He's just got to figure out that next step. Well, yeah, we did see some encouraging things this weekend against Michigan. Uh, obviously, not the results that we wanted. Um, turned you know, going into the weekend, Minnesota could have finished from first, or could have finished first, all the way down through uh, fifth, I believe. Um, Friday night, first is out of the out of the reach, and now they're just kind of hoping for second. 
But they could have tied for first still. They could have, yes, they could have tied for first. Um, that would have been a league title. Yes, you are correct. Um, they would have been the second seed to Penn State. Um, it ended up having a bunch of teams tied, Minnesota, Ohio State, and Michigan, all tied with the same amount of points. And because of the way the tiebreakers work, it's all about, you know, number of wins and, and like that. So Ohio State takes that second spot, Viggs, uh, Michigan third, Minnesota fourth. And then you know, it, it was down to the last minute, too, with uh, – with Notre Dame, um, because you know the Badgers did come through and got that extra point and prevented Notre Dame from taking away home ice for Minnesota. So that means Notre Dame's coming here this weekend. So not quite the finish we thought coming into the weekend, but uh, uh, it's hard to complain with home ice either way. Yeah, I think that's really important for this Gopher team is it looks like Bob Motzko wants to stack the deck with his team and put his top two lines together that have been so effective down the stretch. And he's just going to live and die with that, I think, to the end of the season because they need that little extra scoring, get to three, put them over the hump. Uh, so playing on home ice against the Dame, that should be a big help to them. It's pretty crazy to me that second through sixth in the Big Ten is separated by three points. <laughs> One win. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing to me. I mean, that I mean, how much did that happen in the WCHA? Old school days. I, I don't remember it being like that. No, I mean, even look at the NCHC this year. You know, North Dakota's kind of run away with it a little bit in Duluth. You know, they're they're 10, 13 points clear of the third place team. You know, most of the teams in that league this year were trying to fight for home ice. They had no shot at the league title. Mm-hmm. Big Ten flipped around. Definitely. Well, one thing you uh, mentioned last week on the podcast was uh, it, uh, you mentioned that uh, it looks like the season ticket prices were going to be going down in cost. Well, the, the price of tickets, not so much, but the, the donations and the different zone prices are going down. And then the next day they announced uh, quite a reduction to the to the donation across, well, almost across the board. You know, something stayed the same because they didn't have donation. But uh, talk about that, Viggs. Um, it's it's. It's a much better, uh, cheaper product coming into next season. Well, I think when you look at the single game prices that are being sold, it takes into account that scholarship seating cost mm-hmm. when they're pricing those. So it's it's built into the price of the tickets a little bit. It's just in Minnesota, you can still claim that as a deduction. I know a lot of people uh, say businesses can't, but you can if you're donating to the school. But it's a move by Mark Coyle and this athletic department to try to make a gesture to the fans. I mean, they've been reducing tickets for go for hockey just about every year here. And we've seen the numbers uh, dip quite a bit down from the, you know, the 7,600 people in a waiting list now down to around 4,600. And when you have that dip, if you have some issues going on, it's really hard to fill the building. And so I think this is a move by Gopher Sports to try and get that number going back up again because I think as we're going to see this weekend, when you don't have your season ticket holders planning on coming to games, it's going to be really hard to fill Mariucci. Those 10,000 seats stand out (laughs) under the lighting, and I think there's going to be a lot of photo opportunities for people who want to take shots of the program this weekend. Yeah, it's. I don't know how many ticks are officially sold, Viggs, um, but it's looking like another Michigan situation from last year in that first round of the playoffs, which is not good. 
No, it's not good. I mean, for the Michigan game last year, both announced numbers were under 2,000. The scan numbers were about 1,500 to 1,600. I think it's going to be a little bit better than that because season ticket holders were able to elect in their season ticket package to include the playoff tickets if they wanted to. It's not the default option, and they didn't have to, so it wasn't built into the price, but they could add them. And if they hadn't, they had an option here at the end of the year to, to get into games for 15 bucks a ticket, which to me seems like a pretty good price for <laughs> Division One college hockey playoff game. I mean, 15 bucks a ticket, if you're at center ice, that is a damn good deal if you ask me. I don't think you can go to the high school tournament for 15 bucks. No, not even close. Maybe no. not even Class A. <laughs> wow, that's kind of a shot. <laughs> no, but uh, people are complaining. Oh, well, I don't like the cost. I'm like, come on, fifteen bucks a ticket, and you know the other tickets are you know start at twenty bucks. You know for the non-season ticket holders. Um, you know, and like Frozen Four Champs is saying in the in the chat, but people still complain. Um, they got their beer. They got rid of their coach. Um, they're they're reducing the prices of tickets. And, Pretty and, good schedule this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, North Dakota, Minnesota Duluth. Uh, they had St. Cloud and Bemidji for the Classic. Minnesota State was around. They didn't get to play them, but maybe that's a good thing. You know, it's unfortunate that Colorado College isn't uh, as good as we thought they were going to be this year, but hopefully they'll be better next year because they are coming to Mariucci next year, and I, I'm I'm really glad to see that because uh, Colorado College is one of my favorite teams in the WCHA to play back in the day. Uh, so I'm really glad that they uh, they're back on the schedule. Like to see Denver maybe eventually too here as well, uh, but uh, we know that CC's coming in next season. We're not sure if there's a Mariucci Classic. I I know there might be some other schools coming in. We're not sure yet. Nothing's official yet. But uh, next year might not be as strong as this year. Uh, but the prices are down, and the team is going to be celebrating their hundredth season next year, Vigs and. Uh, uh, I think it could be a special season next year. Well, and I think the way this team's grown over the year, you know, if they can stay focused on what they're trying to do as a team and work together and string those shifts together, mm-hmm. they're going to be in really good shape. Because I don't think we've seen a single game here the second half where they've struggled to get the puck and struggled to break out. You know, the defensemen have been really strong. I think uh, Jackson Lacombe and Ryan Johnson and Matt Stodicker. Those are players that should really contribute in a big way next year. Got to think the power play is going to be better next year. Oh, and they're going to have so. lots of scoring <laughs> throughout the entire lineup. It, it, it can't get any – well, I guess it could get worse you know, percentage-wise. <laughs> but um, um, this has got to be one of the lows for Minnesota all time. It's It's been rough. I mean, they've, <laughs> they've come through with a couple of goals here yeah. and there. That one on Friday night was pretty big. But then again, you know, the next night they go for two in their chances, and it just doesn't look like it's going anywhere. So I, it's almost like they're scoring despite their struggles yeah. sometimes. But uh, <laughs> what can you say? In the power play, of course, they it was a goal from a Robbie Stucker shot, who's gotten a lot of heat from GPL this this season. Well, they need something to bitch about, Viggs. They do. They've got plenty of things that they like to go after. So. <laughs> Well, we're going to get into uh, – I see a bunch of questions on Twitter from the last few days. You know, We're going to talk about flight risk, recruiting, and get into some of the games this weekend besides Minnesota. 
Um, but before that, let's hear from our sponsor. There has never been a better time to buy or refinance. So call Jerry Peters of First Class Mortgage in Maple Grove for all your mortgage needs. Interest rates are at a near all-time lows and property values are on the rise. Lower your interest rate and remove monthly PMI at the same time to save thousands of dollars. Or, you know, you could use the equity in your home for debt consolidation or home improvements. The spring housing market is going to be hot, so make sure you're prepared by getting a pre-approved letter from Jerry Peters before you start shopping. Mention you heard about him on the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing credit. Some restrictions do apply. Call Jerry at 612-940-3291 or visit firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free application. Jerry's NMLS number is 480200. First Class Mortgage's NMLS number is 322842. This is not an offer to lock in an interest rate agreement under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. Of course, thanks to Jerry Peters for sponsoring the podcast for the second half of the season. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, so we, you know, we, every week, you know, use the hashtag GPL podcast as a, with your question or topic, and we'll try to get to it. Um, a couple of days ago, Ted sent a couple uh, longer questions, but uh, let's get into that. It says, you know, hi guys. Hopefully, the Gophers win too this weekend and continue. And he kind of gets into it. If the funding makes it for the rink modification, would you like to see the student section? Uh, down onto the glass, you know, more present in the game, maybe banging on the glass and whatnot. Personally, Viggs, I would like to see that, but uh, we know in the past, just anybody just makes any kind of pounding on the glass and they're almost kicked out, which is unfortunate. But you see this at other schools, you know, students right on the glass, making noise, pounding on it. Uh, it's one thing I think is missed or a missed opportunity at Mariucci. It is probably a little bit of a missed opportunity because of where the Zamboni comes out mm-hmm. and the way the locker rooms are positioned. I think it would make it tricky to to do too much there to to figure that out because they do want to have the Zambonis be able to get to both rinks. And so that's just kind of a neat feature of Mariucci and Ritter. But I would like to see them lined up along the zone where the opposing team has to defend. I think that would be kind of fun. It might be a little bit challenging for them to figure out how they would do that. Um, but I, I do think Minnesota responded to one time the student sections were divided at two ends of the rink. Mm-hmm. They put them all in one. I think that's been an improvement. But it is a different building when those students show up. And uh, if they don't show up this weekend, it will be noticed very, very visibly. <laughs> And the one thing, you know, they're not changing the ends of the rink. The ends of the rink are still going to be the same distance. It's going to be the width of the rink. Uh, and yep. and right now there's kind of, you know, there's there's a handicap seating on kind of one end and where some people stand a little bit, you know, some of the medical personnel and whatnot. And then the other end, is it's a kind of a path to get around to the penalty, penalty box. I guess in theory they could rearrange some things there and allow some students down there on the glass. I would love to see that, but uh, – Boy, I I don't know what it is, but the, it seems like the 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 security and the the university just doesn't want the kids to have too much fun. I mean, they got a security <laughs> guy down there all the time, giving them a hard time. Um, and, and you know you don't see that out of the range. You go to Duluth. You go and you go you go anywhere else. I mean, you look just you know look at uh, Penn State. They are right on the glass. They got their signs. They're ready to go. 
And at Mariucci, it is kind of like the no fun place. Well, you know, sometimes that isn't like a university policy. That's just the guy who's been doing it for 50 years. That's the way he's going to do it. He does and look a little crabby down in the corner. They can get a little crabby. <laughs> but you can have good, clean fun in college, right? You, nothing nothing has to be too crazy. You can no. have clean fun. But I think it would be great if they were on long the glass. So I, we would both love to see that, Ted. Uh, uh, what is his other question? He was like... Uh, well, he thought that it would be, you know, when they, if they're going to rearrange the drink, maybe possibly change to have the benches on opposite sides. What do you think of that? That's unconventional, but we do see it at uh, uh, Michigan State and at Notre Dame. And old Mariucci used to be like that. Yep. You used to have the benches across from each other. I mean, I like that setup for rinks. Uh, I don't think too much thought was probably put into it for this one. Uh, it's kind of fun when they're across from each other and you get the long penalty box skate for the visiting team. <laughs> but I, I just don't think we'll see that kind of change happen. No, at, I, I, with the concrete and everything, they kind of already have kind of areas kind of bunkered out, I would say. so. Mm -hmm. just, but I do think we'll see the rink shrink here, not next year, but the year after. I think that project is coming faster. Uh, Minnesota is being a little more aggressive in how they launch projects. They used to have to have 80% of the funding before they'd let a shovel hit the ground. Now they're letting them kick off with a little bit less money in hand. Mm -hmm. So I think as long as you know the, the alumni are happy and things are moving along, the money will be there for them to make that update next year. A hockey fan was asking earlier today, on the topic of flight risks, who do you think is NHL ready? I honestly don't see any ready for the next level, at least right now. According to hockey fan, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think there's a player on the roster right now that's ready to step right into the league. My only real flight risk for Minnesota would probably be Sample Ranta just because of his skill set. I think he could step into the AHL and and play a very similar game. He's such a strong skater and a strong body that you know I could see a team like Colorado wanting to get their hands on him sooner. I think that would be a bit of a mistake. I, I don't really believe in going to the next level until you're dominating the level you're at. I think we saw that with Casey Middlestad a little bit as his struggle to the NHL happened. You know, He's back in the AHL now, and it looks like he's going to be there for the rest of the year through their playoff run. And he's having some success in Rochester. But the NHL is a tough league. I once heard a coach say, you know, when you go in the NHL and you're stepping on the ice – you know, it's not Smirnoff and uh, Sturts coming over the boards. It's Malkin and Kessel or <laughs> Crosby. You know, those are some dangerous players you're going up against who are strong men. And it's a big difference from college hockey to the NHL. And I don't think some players respect how difficult it is to make that jump. And they don't see the holes in their game that need to be addressed. And so I just don't think it's the right move for anybody on this roster to make the leap. Uh, you could always see a, a goaltender maybe go somewhere if they get an opportunity to play in the AHL. If a team promises them that chance, sometimes for goalies that's hard to pass up. Uh, but I don't see any skaters who would really f make the leap, especially a guy like Sammy Walker or Blake McLaughlin. Those are probably the two higher players. They're just not ready yet. A hockey fan also asked, you know, we kind of touched on attendance though. We think it's going to be low, but he thinks, does, do you think the state hockey will lead to an empty Mariucci? And a lot of people were trying to say that last year. Yes, state hockey tends to have an effect on Mariucci uh, for the you know, 
for attendance. But, you know, if we saw in years past, back in the WCHA, uh, they were still getting five or 6,000 at least for those games. And so I don't think that has anything to do with it. No, I think, you know, your season ticket holders who bought the seats, they're going to show up. I know somebody was coming after me today asking why there aren't any tickets on StubHub. Well, it's because the people who bought these tickets really intended on using them, and most of them are going to be at the game. You don't have these people who have tickets and then change their mind. Yeah. Oh, our boy Tim Hapke always asking questions. Does Reedy play on the wing this weekend, or will Bob put him at center to balance the lines out? He also says, where has Ranta disappeared to? (laughs) <laughs> well, I think Reedy's going to stay at wing with uh, Sammy and, and Blake. Those three have been really good together. I think when they have Reedy on the ice, the puck moves a little bit more. I think when there's other players on the ice, for whatever reason, uh, if it's Brodzinski, if it's Burke, I don't think the puck moves as much. Uh, I think Reedy holds up play and maybe looks for players a little bit more. Whereas when you have a guy like Burke, he's looking to get the pucks to the net or or chip it deep. He's not as much of a playmaker. And Brodzinski, he's looking to shoot. And so there's not going to be a lot of puck movement there. So I think Reedy's that kind of player for them and could be a good fit. Uh, And I think Ranta, you know, I think he's just going through a tough time where, you know, he's trying to find some continuity and figuring out how to take that next level. And I think teams probably are focusing on him a little bit more and just trying to keep him to the outside and he's just got to break through there and move the puck a little bit. He's got to take some notes from Reedy, I think. Well, we were just talking about flight risks, and I noticed that Dennis in the chat says uh, flight or transfer risk. And you know, and I was thinking maybe about uh, two or three weeks ago that we were thinking Mr. Burke might be a transfer risk because he was in a deep, dark place, wasn't doing anything. His game's really improved, so I, I think that's getting to be more off the table than it may have been. Yeah, I think if there's a transfer risk, you know, we're probably looking at like a depth defenseman. You know, Sam Rossini hasn't seen the ice much. Matt Demon hasn't seen the ice much. It's hard to know what they're thinking. Uh, I saw Rossini in a red jersey this week playing forward because he's uh, helping out the team. He seems like a good team guy, but you never know. Sometimes these guys, they just want to go play somewhere. And for them, you know, if they're not going to get a look at Minnesota – and there's always a Mayak school or maybe a, a lower levels team that might give him a chance. Or Phillips going to Penn State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Played right away. Well for him, he's got a Big Ten championship ring now. Yeah, he does. Uh, Vonner asked, uh, the last two weekends were a, a big chance for the Gophers to either win the, uh, the conference or greatly improve their NCAA chances. And they kind of laid a couple eggs. Give me a reason to believe this weekend will be different. And, and before you answer that, Viggs, um, uh, they were right in the thick of it, but that Friday, that Saturday night loss just dropped them right out. Well, I think the Saturday night loss was huge for dropping them out, but I don't think it would have helped them that much had they won. I didn't see this. Team well, they wouldn't have dropped above eleven or twelve yeah. in the pairwise. Yeah. They still would have need needed to come away with some wins here in the first weekend of the Big Ten tournament. You know, there was nothing that they could have done last weekend or the weekend before that would have sealed up an at-large bid, it maybe would have put them on the bubble, but this team needs to win hockey games to make mm-hmm. the tournament at the end. Give them a reason to believe that will be different this weekend. <laughs> well, I, think, I think one reason to believe it will be different is Notre Dame plays a style that's usually a little more 
hands off, a little more passive. You know, they're waiting for you to make mistakes. They're waiting to go on the power play. You know, they're they're not going to be in your face like some of these other teams that give Minnesota problems. You know, we look at teams like Michigan. You know, they're going to skate with you a little bit, and they're going to try to create scoring chances. Penn State. You know, that's a high-volume game. Lots of shots, lots of rushes, lots of loose pucks, lots of one-on-one battles. You have to be on your A game for that. And Minnesota, for whatever reason, the last three years, that has not been their mm-hmm. style that works for them. Yeah. Notre Dame doesn't play that way. So it should be a different game, and I think it allows their skill to shine through a little bit. And to close up the Twitter questions for uh, this week, we've got our boy Sky Mala wanting to know, what's the best jersey in the high school hockey tournament right now? What's your choice, Weeks? I mean, those Blake jerseys look pretty nice. <laughs> I'm sure they spent some good money on those. Yeah, maybe. I, I haven't seen a lot of the games. I've only seen some of the night games, so I can't really judge everyone. So. Yeah, I miss the Thunderhawks not being there. I like those. The big orange machine. So, yeah, I do kind of like the orange. Well, Delano had the orange last night. That's not bad. And that was a, that, and that was a good, good game until the end, and then it just fell apart on them. Mm-hmm. Just totally collapsed. It was strange. So, all right, Viggs. Well, I know one thing you wanted to talk about was uh, recruiting. We we don't have Hammy here anymore to get all that little kind of inside stuff. But uh, I'm guessing you you start to have some sources now, aren't you? Here and there, you know, you hear some <laughs> things and uh, know what's going on. We know that uh, Bob's been looking for a goalie here for a couple of weeks. They had Jackson Stauber on campus for an official visit, but he decided to go to Providence, I believe. So instead, they've uh, gone to a player from Cedar Rapids, originally from Pittsburgh, Gino. I think it's Petora. I have no um, idea. <laughs> yeah, no idea. But he's he's a growing goalie. He turned 17 this month, which I think is a little early for getting a goalie. But you never know. He's got to keep up his end, and then Minnesota can keep up their end for a scholarship offer. But that's probably the youngest goalie commit I've seen in quite some time for Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, but maybe you have to go back to uh, Frazee for a goalie that's committed that young. Holiday. Well, he he never ended up here. He never ended up here, but he was recruited <laughs> a lot. I mean, he was recruited young, wasn't he? I, Could I, be. That's I mean, none I of the goalies on the current roster, you know, yeah. obviously were uh, young commits. But it's usually a position where you want to see some. Uh, track record and yeah. junior hockey, you know, and this guy's only played, you know, nine games in the USHL. I think there's a strong connection to Bobby Geppert, who is a goalie from Cedar Rapids who played for Bob at St. Cloud State. You know, he recommended him, and uh, they're gonna roll the dice, maybe. And I, you also got to think too, you know, Mo's a freshman, Close is a freshman. Um, they'll, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, once Lafontaine goes on, they'll pick up a third guy just as a practice guy. But I think they might be pretty decent, at least in that department, you know, at least for scholarship type of guys. So maybe he is trying to think of who's going to replace Mo and Close down the line, three years or something like that. Yeah, you have to hope that's what they're thinking. I, I would like them to see goalies play at least two years in the USHL. Uh, maybe there's an interim guy that they get in. You know, maybe they technically redshirt uh, Close or something like that, But but we'll see. So we have an an interesting uh, weekend of games besides Minnesota Notre Dame. We've got uh, we've got Wisconsin, who's kind of picked it up lately, 
heading back to Ohio State where they did very well next weekend. And um, I'm thinking that Ohio State might be in a little trouble here, Viggs. Yeah, it's a tough matchup. Ohio State's not had a great second half. They've gone from one of those teams that thought they had enough in the bank to a team that probably needs to have a good weekend here to get in the top 10 of the pairwise. So it's a struggle to see what's going to happen here. I know they've gotten a little inconsistent goaltending uh, this second half of the year ever since Napier had that injury. You know, he hasn't been as sharp. And, you know, Wisconsin, they're a hungry team with lots of talent, lots of first-round picks. So it should be a fun series. You know, they did win the season series against the Buckeyes. And, and that's just it, Viggs. They have the skill. They they played very well against top 10 teams this year. I mean, better than most. Um, and it is a thing where, hey, Wisconsin could come in here and cause a lot of damage to a lot of teams that are in that bubble like Ohio State. So, you know, they might not have had a good overall season. They ended up last in the league, but um, that's not a last place quality team. No, and it's a team that can score goals. It's just they've given up a ton, and they've gotten yeah. pretty poor goaltending on the whole year. You know, I don't think they've figured it out uh, in net, and they've certainly done it by scoring lots of goals. Uh, it'll be fun to see. I wouldn't put it out of question that either Wisconsin or Michigan State could win next weekend, which would be nice if the Gophers got out too because that means one of those two schools would go to Hockey Valley. Well, I actually have thoughts on that because uh, I am not as afraid to go to Hockey Valley this time. In a Really? In, yeah, I'm not because they played them there well last time. Um, it's a one-game deal. And by the time that game happens, Penn State will not have played a game in about three weeks. Yeah, how bad is their schedule for the end of the year? I know. Huh? I, I mean, you've got to schedule somebody. I mean, obviously, they didn't know they are going to win the title when you're scheduling. So you're probably thinking, we're going to be playing that first weekend, which I think really would have helped them. But to not have a team like oh, you know Arizona State or just something, an exhibition or something like that, but they haven't played a game since they played Minnesota. And 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 I'm not sure when the this a semifinal will be. I'm guessing it would be a Saturday night, so it, that would be like a full 3 weeks since they played a game. Yeah, that's a long time between games and whoever goes there should get an advantage there to take advantage cuz there'll be opportunities to score early in the game. Yeah. And, and, and that's and that's why I wasn't as afraid, you know, if you know, if, if the seeds above us don't lose and it goes, you know, how it's supposed to go. I wasn't as concerned because just just for that reason, if if Penn State was playing, um, I I would definitely be concerned. But I think just the this is the circumstances right now. I think if things hold in the standings and Minnesota wins and then goes to Penn State, I can think of uh, you know you go and win that game. Boy, uh, I think that's a boost for this team and this program at this time. So I. That's why I guess I just haven't been so worried about it. Yeah, I think that would be a nice monkey off their back if they were able to to go to Penn State, get the win, and move on. Because that would be – you could see it in the players before Penn State week mm-hmm. that they were very focused on knowing that they were playing a place where they had not performed. And it was a big weekend for them. And, and thinking 
you know, beyond that, you know, if, you know, there was an upset in front of us and, you know, Minnesota had to go to, let's say, uh, either Michigan or Ohio State, uh, then Penn State's getting their game in. Maybe they lose. You never know. Nope. But you could, I would rather play Penn State that first, you know, in the semifinal than in the final at Penn State. Um, I think, you know, once they get a game in their belt, that'll really help them. But the three weeks off, I think, like you said, whoever goes to Hockey Valley uh, next weekend, I think has a really good chance of getting an upset. That's true. Anyone can win the Big Ten right now. Yeah. I don't think there's any teams that are truly dominant. You know, even the good teams you know, don't have dominant scoring lines. So I think it's wide open, and it, it should be fun hockey. And then we got Michigan State going into Michigan, big rivalry there. Um, you know, Michigan's played a lot better lately, obviously, as we've seen. They've been playing um, almost lights out since the first of the year, except for a few hiccups. Um, uh, but you never know with Michigan State. They could get a hot goalie, too. And, and they might sneak out of there. So it, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Outside of Mariucci. Yeah, as Bob has been fond of saying this week, you know, Michigan State and Michigan are tough teams because they've got seniors who have been through college hockey and know how to play these tight games and are comfortable playing them. As much as Bob has chided the local media all season for following the youth narrative, he's probably brought it up more than anyone. And he's talked about it quite a bit, how young they are and how experienced teams like Michigan Michigan State and Penn State are, and that's the difference. Uh, we'll see if they've learned anything because uh, there's not much time left to grow up. Well, looking in the Mixler chat, Vonner just said, hey, they got to get through Notre Dame first. And we definitely know that's true, but you know, we're just kind of projecting forward, hoping for a good weekend. Um, I see Dennis asking, what are the refs assigned to our game? I have no idea. Um, a lot of times, uh, those are that's kept pretty secret. Um, so we'll have to see. But Notre Dame coming in this weekend, Viggs. Uh, the games are on TV. Friday night will be on Fox Sports 2, FS2. Uh, Saturday night on FSN Plus, I believe. And then back on FS2 on Sunday at 6, if necessary. Uh, I, I, it, it, was, it was Saturday night. People were already complaining about TV, Viggs. And uh, what they don't realize is that Minnesota is the only team in the Big Ten that gets TV this weekend. That's because they're the only team that consistently gets viewers. Bingo. You know, it's not because we're complaining about it. You know, the U does a lot to make sure the games are on TV and they have enough of a following where it matters. And so, you know, as much as we've focused on attendance and things like that throughout the year, they're still top five in the country for attendance. And I bet you they're top three for mm-hmm. TV market as well. Oh, so TV. it may not be the glory days. But they still draw a lot of eyes. I think TV is, is still got to be tops. Yeah, it's up there. I it's, mean, it's, uh, we don't ever get those numbers, not like in the past. But uh, it's it's got to be tops. And 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 as we have seen in some of the ratings of of the NCAA tournament, even recently, even though Minnesota didn't hasn't won recently, uh, in those regional games, the ratings for the Minnesota whoever they play are always the top ones. Yeah, and then alternatively. When there are hockey games on national markets where they'll show up in those top 50 type things, unless it's Minnesota, they don't hit those. So when you're seeing the Notre Dame, Notre Dame games on NBC Sports Network or when you're seeing Michigan, Ohio State on Fox, you know those games aren't even doing good enough numbers to crack the top 50 or 100 for those nights. Yeah. 
Matt is asking who's calling the games on FS2 and Frozen Four had his champion. It is going to be Dan Kelly on Friday and on Sunday if they get to there. And I'm guessing it'll be Charlie, uh, our bar Charlie Beatty. He, he's doing a lot of state tournament work, but uh, I'm guessing he will be on the call Saturday for the the FSN game. So we'll have to see. But but what about the game here, Viggs? You know, I know you like the matchup with uh, Notre Dame, uh, but at this time of year. Uh, special teams are huge, and uh, boy, we could really use some uh, quality special teams uh, this weekend. Because as we saw last year in the semifinal, special teams ended up uh, ending the Gophers' season. Yeah, I think the key is try to stay out of the box as much as you can. Oh, yes. You don't want to give Notre Dame one of those chances. I don't think Notre Dame is a is a great power play, but somehow Nick uh, Lieberman seems to have their number. Whatever it is, he doesn't <laughs> score very often, but he, he comes through against the Gophers, and I feel like if he gets a chance to do that in front of uh, family and friends and that Notre Dame following, which probably should draw a pretty good crowd in their area, yeah. they always seem to do well at Mariucci. Uh, I think that could be something to watch out for. One of the things I'm looking for this weekend is how Minnesota does in the face-off circle. Uh, I know especially with Sammy Walker, it's been a focus for him to improve, but you'd like your centers to to win 55 to 60% of their draws. And I don't think very many Gophers have, have come close to that most of the season. Uh, they've tried to do some things, moving Reedy and Myers and other guys, McLaughlin into the circle to try to take draws. But it's been a, a weak point of this team. And Notre Dame typically is very good in the faceoff circle. And the bottom line is that's really key with your power play. When you're starting a power play, you lose a faceoff, it's down the other end, and you've already lost key zone time. So, uh, And we've seen direct results of that, losing that faceoff on a power play and having to go chase the puck down. Uh, I think their power play might be a little better if they could actually win you know, offensive zone faceoffs. Yeah, it's really key on the power play to start with the puck, and especially against a team like Notre Dame that doesn't give it away very easily. If you're doing poorly in the draws, it's going to be a long night for you. And I think for Minnesota, when they played them earlier in the year, they got exposed, but the second time around, they were much better on face-offs. And I know it's something they've been working on, but it's going to be a key this weekend. So what are you thinking, Viggs? Does this go to Sunday? I think it definitely goes to Sunday. Really? You know, these these teams are so close to each other. We've seen the Big Ten, the standings have been so close. I think we've seen a little bit of issues with Minnesota getting scoring, slow starts. I think they're going to drop one of the first two games. I think they pull it out in three. I think whichever team wins on Friday, the other team wins on Saturday. I think Minnesota sneaks away with it on Sunday night. Well, that's positive. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, geez, I, I'm going to say Minnesota in two and maybe an overtime win Saturday night in front of 1,800 people. <laughs> yeah, 1,800. I think my attendance is probably, I think announced will be 2,800. But really? I think we'll see about 2,200 in the sands. And not that there is really ever a thing called announced anymore because they stopped doing that. A while ago. Well, it's not 10,000 and it's nothing. <laughs> nothing. Right. Oh, definitely. I, well, what you got, obviously you just had that great article uh, on the athletic last week of, uh, of the nanny family. 
I guess that was that was a very good uh, article, by the way, Viggs. Uh, everyone loved it. Uh, anything else in the hopper right now? Uh, we've got a little bit something on the development of uh, Sampo Ranta and Sammy Walker. I think you can only look at this year as a development year for the Gophers. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe a tourney bid was possible if all things went right. I don't know if they have this year. They've looked good the second half, but we've seen these players develop physically. And I think working with Cal Dietz will take them to another level in that shiny new weight room that they're going to get here pretty shortly. Mm -hmm. And those guys are going to benefit from his knowledge. You know, you got a guy like Cal Dietz. He's built up this database of working with hockey players all the way back to Paul Martin. You know, and he's learned a lot working with those guys. And he's got a lot of data that he applies to these players. So I've got an article that kind of talks about his process of identifying what players need to work on and why he's so effective at developing these players. And a lot of times these players are coming back in the summer and probably giving them even more data. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's got these NHL players that come back year after year, and he sees them progress not only from high school to college, but then as pros and what they need to maintain to be effective professional athletes. Definitely, definitely. Well, that's going to do it for this uh, this uh, GPL podcast this week. You know, uh, we're going to be back next next week, no matter what. And I think we're going to keep doing some shows, even if Minnesota is eliminated, just to kind of talk about the whole uh, you know off season or whatever it may go. So we're going to keep doing shows for quite a while here. So, but you know, be sure to come back next week. We're just definitely going to recap whatever happens, and hopefully, we'll be previewing you know a semifinal wherever it may be. For those of you listening live, stay tuned for some overtime. For the rest of you, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. 